big thanks to our title sponsor, Blooming Smiles Pediatric Dentistry. Dr. Arpita Patel has a beautiful, modern, and upscale pediatric dental office in Charlotte, North Carolina. She and her experienced staff treat children of all ages and special needs patients. They create a comfortable, stress-free, and memorable dental experience for both the child and parent, starting with earning your child's trust and always catering to their individual needs. They're proud to offer the Waterlays Plus laser system they call Princess Poppy. It's an alternative method, which means no injections, shots, or drills. They genuinely share kindness, patience, compassion, and fun. Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Kuhnley. Yeah, I'm Sam Dimonich, and I'm the chef owner of Beer Farms Your Table. I'm also uh, the co-leader of Charlotte Chapter of Ben's Friends and personal chef to Christian McCaffrey. Awesome. Are you from Charlotte? No, I'm from Myrtle Beach originally. Nice. Back in the day, by way okay. of New York and Philly and D.C. and All gosh, over. Mexico City. What? Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But how long have you been here? Since, uh, for the most part, 04. I was away when I went to treatment. I was gone for three years. Uh huh. Okay. Off and on for three years. You know what I mean. So I didn't like. I had a three year gap in permanent residency here in the Queen City. Yep. Okay. So um, I was just saying to you. I know you tell your story a lot, but tell our listeners a little bit about your mental health journey. What what that means for you? Well, yeah. I mean, so it's been. I mean, it's been decades. You know, since I was super young. Um, you know, coming up in a big Italian Catholic family, and um, you know, full of dysfunction on the inside, but wanted to be Brady Bunch on the outside. And, and, um, and so that was like, that was, those were our tools for living, you know, I'm one of five siblings. So there was a bunch of us running around and, um, you know, my parents were super young whenever they, uh, put the family together. And, and I, I, I can tell you right now with confidence, they weren't equipped for what they had coming to them. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and so if they're not equipped, how can we be equipped? You know, and so, um, so yeah, so it was one of those things. And then on top of that, I grew up in a restaurant and, uh, this is a very different restaurant scene than, than kind of what we know, what the public knows now, you know, it was very, uh, um, it was very rock and roll. It was very drink beers throughout the shift. Um, there was mental health. I had access to excess at a very early age and whether it be sex or drugs or drink, um, I was in it. And, you know, and as a young boy that, you know, back then, which is so cool that we're talking about it now because it was such a badge of honor. That's right. You know, at the, at the time. And, um, you know, yeah, look how cool I am. Yeah. 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 I mean, all, all my boys, all my friends were jealous, but, um, yeah, yeah. you know, no curfew. We had, we would close the bar down and, um, you know, even my dad was in on it, you know what I mean? Like he knew what was going on and, and he would leave me there with, with a partying crowd. And that was the way it was. Cause that was just the scene. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean that it comes kind of naturally with late nights and long hours and, you know, and talking with some other chefs, um, you know, I understand it to be different than the, like you said, the outside looking in where it's like this, there's just this pressure too of like, everything has to be on point. Like, it's not just the food taste good, but it's, you know, like there are so many like measures of like of being judged, I guess, too, in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, the, the main thing for me that sticks out was, you know, I was just taught to numb you know, just numb, you know, and whether it be parents divorcing or, um, 
Um, you know, my mom moved when I was, when I was young and, and remarried. And, and so there, there's, you know, there's trauma there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was caught up in the opioid epidemic. I hurt my back in high school lifting weights. And so there was, so, you know, so I had all these things going on as, as a young person, but with no true skill set and nobody to really go to to say, That's man, right. I'm scared and I'm hurt. You know, uh, this doesn't feel right. I have, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, so anyway, so that, so I, I bundled that up and ran with it for the next gosh, three decades. Yep. And five, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of dynamics of, of four sisters of, too. Four sisters. Woo. Yeah. So that, yes. So, and where are you in the birth order? I have to ask as a therapist. I'm in the middle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so, and then, but I loved your point of just if the parents aren't equipped so kind of mm-hmm. this idea of the, the top down, then it's just a shit show all around because everyone's just kind of like fending for themselves and um, there's nothing really modeled for you as far as kind of that s- stability or like you said, just coping skills or having a place to go to. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and I think about my position in parenthood now, like, you know, like my dream whenever I first had children prior to, to getting sober was to, you know, uh, you know, teach them how to be successful and make money and find a career and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like all these, um, you know, surface yep. type is, you know what I mean? Like surface type solutions. And now, you know, what, you know, what was once a huge emotional liability is my childhood is now the greatest asset because, you know, as a parent, the only thing I'd ever want from them is, is to be somebody that they trust and would be able to ask for advice. Yeah. Your values really, your values shift for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the beauty of sobriety. And I, and I think like, you know, whenever you talk about mental health and sobriety, it's like most people associate sobriety with absence of drugs and alcohol. Well, of course, that has to be the, the foundation. Like that has to be the beginning. But there's so much personal growth involved to where uh, you can take a hard look at some stuff that's, um, you know, that's that's really, really personally challenged and, um, uh, and can be um, super emotional and, and be able to, um, you know, apply it to your life. Uh, you know, it, um, mm-hmm. consciously, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and make it current. Yeah. Do you remember during that time being aware of what you were doing was numbing and like being aware of, I don't have anywhere, anyone to turn to. Was that in your awareness or was it, you were just so caught up in it? It wasn't really. No, I just knew I was different. It was, uh, you know, like, you know, the people around me didn't drink like I did. Uh, the people around me for the most part, um, you know, didn't drug like I did. Um, you know, a lot of the people that I hung out with, <laughs> we were, we were all like, we were all had a little bit of heathen in us. You know what I mean? Like we weren't all, oh, yeah. like, um, choir boys, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I, you know, um, I always felt, um, separated. Yeah. Which comes with its own stuff too. Feeling othered or like an outsider too. Um, less than. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And so that just perpetuates the cycle for sure. sure. Yeah. So a little bit about then the, um, the rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, I started going to treatment centers, um, you know, when I was young, counseling when I was young, um, detoxes when I was young, I've been to a bunch, I don't know how many, maybe more than 10, 10 or 12, something like that. And, um, and so, but, you know, but, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I bundled up my own tools for living when I was young. And that's, that's how I tried to address addiction 
and alcoholism. Yeah. You know, was, if, if I didn't know how to do it, if I didn't know how to solve this problem, I would pretend like I did, you know, until I could. I could not yeah. run what I was dealing with. I could not outrun it. And so, uh, you know, that hopefully that explains, you know, when I say that I've been to a bunch of tre- treatment centers and detoxes, you know, every time I would, I would, I would exit um, those scenarios humbled, but without humility. And I think it takes, it requires, like it requires a strong level of humility um, to admit truth. Right. And so really it wasn't until, um, uh, you know, 2013, 2014, um, you know, when it was, it was, you know, to either seek help or die, was I able to really, really address what was really going on with me on a, on a, you know, on a deeply personal level, you know, and, and, um, you know, my, my career couldn't keep me sober. My wife at the time couldn't keep me sober and the children that I loved the most couldn't keep me sober either. You know, it really, really had to come down to, um, you know, whether or not I was going to do the work that it took from the inside out. And that took, you know, it's, I'm st- you know, it's, it's always a work in progress, but really it yeah. was, it was, uh, I mean, it was, first of all, it, it's, um, it was made easier. We talked about relatability at the beginning. There was an army of people with their arms wide open, hearts and minds, you know, ready to help me out down in Sumter, South Carolina when I went to treatment. Um, you know, and so uh, that was huge, you know, and then, um, you know, I, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous and I go to Ben's Friends, you know, so these are, um, well, Ben's Friends is less of a program for living, but we can apply the program that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, uh, as a blueprint for how to navigate uh, this thing called life in the real world, uh, you know, uh, on a daily basis. And so that's, that's been my saving grace. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people don't understand substance addiction as a brain disease too, where Mm -hmm. it just, we, we so often hear, um, it's simplified like it's just a choice, you know, and what, why isn't that rock bottom? Oh wait, why isn't that rock bottom? (laughs) Like where people really are judgmental of, other people's experience in it and not understanding it as a disease. And that, that, and so that's also what I hear as you talk about this, like, yeah, I've done it this amount of times, but a lot of that was going through the motions even, or not really realize, like you're sort of checking it off and like, I'm doing these things, but until you really show up in a way that says like, I am totally raw, turn it inside out. Let's do this thing until you get there yourself. It's not going to happen. Absolute surrender. That's what it required. Absolute surrender. I'm gonna get out of the yeah. way. But you look back on like, especially in American society, like, you know, we, we, we saw what happened with the crack academic epidemic in the eighties. Right. You know, and, and, um, and, you know, and that was, that was one of those things where it was like, we as a society compartmentalized that as the black problem. Right. And then we had the opioid epidemic, you know, and then I think one of the Kennedys died or, you know what I mean? Some, one of the more affluent, um, yeah families in our society that led a public life and everybody was like, Oh God, you know, this is, this is so serious, you know? And, 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 you know, so, but, but you know, it right. gives you an idea of like, I lived both lives. I lived yes. the crack epidemic when I was on the street and I lived the opioid epidemic. Right. And so that, yes. um, you yes. know what I mean? So, so I have experience with both and, and how it's an equal opportunity disease. <laughs> <laughs> it does not discriminate, man. Yes. Discriminate. You know, but, yeah. but, but like I said earlier, like that's, that's a major asset. My time on the streets, a major asset, you know, because I get to do a lot of work now, um, for, uh, based on experiences that I had then and for the people that I know that are still out there, you know, and of course yeah. with the opioid epidemic, you know, um, we get to have strong conversations about that as well. Yeah. 
and you understand that. I mean, that's the thing. And that's what makes someone so empathetic and able to connect and help because you've mm-hmm. lived both sides of it. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so when you use that word surrender to, I mean, there's nothing more vulnerable though. I mean, that is what makes getting help and seeking help so terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I ran yeah. from that for, third, for three decades, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'll be 45 this year. Yeah. But that's where, I mean, I, I, I don't work with substance use. I work with a lot of eating disorders, a lot of other like things, you know, self-harm, like things that people do need treatment for. But getting to that point where you are willing to surrender, I just feel like spending a second there of validating how terrifying and vulnerable that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because when you're in it, you don't realize it's going to be beautiful on the other side. People might say that to you. That's right. You can't see that. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where for for me, you know, as a as a male, you know, growing up, um, was taught, you know, uh, not to express transparency or vulnerability at all. And then, um, you know, I think the fear that's involved, especially from an from an addictive point of view, you know, is that, that what if I do have to change everything? You know what I mean? Yes. What would that look like? You know, then yes. there's the fear of the unknown, and and you know, and that. Um, you know, coupled with, uh, you know, the misogynist world that I grew up in, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, I guess my life's greatest challenge. Yes. Yes. Even if it's totally dysfunctional, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the fear of what's, what change could look like is, can hold so many people back. Yeah. I mean, if, if, and if this dysfunction is all you knew, which is all I knew, then it was much safer to marinate in that, you know, than take a chance on something that might actually um, you know, provide a healthy right. alternative. Right. And that's what people can't understand outside looking in. Like, why mm-hmm. did, why do they keep choosing this? But it is that just that heart space of, because it's what I know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's why there's just no room for judgment and assumptions. Um, because of yeah. some, you never know someone's fear. You never know someone's level of fear. Yeah. And exactly what you said that, that I mean, that's, that's a, a license for self-righteousness as well, because, you know, I can remember many, many days and I, you know, I didn't like the people in my life just didn't start wanting me to get sober when I got sober in 14. Right. You know I mean? This started years and years and years ago, but, but you know, that was a license I would use on a regular basis was that you, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. You don't know what it's like. You don't, you really don't know what it's like to be dope sick. You don't know what it's like to be alone. And you know what I mean? Like, so, so totally. would, would be, you know, one of the tools I would use to facilitate, you know, and to manifest, um, you know, my addiction and alcoholism. Got it. Yep. So relationships with your family now in a nutshell, like I'm sure that, that there's a lot of repair that had to happen and yeah. Forgiveness. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so I'm one of five. We're all sober. Everybody's sober. Everybody's still here. And, um, and that everybody has long-term sobriety. So, um, wow. On our own schedules, we've been able to, you know, to, to, um, you know, to connect, you know, in, in some really special ways. So that's, I think that's, that's really, a, a, you know, a miracle right there. Um, you know, as far as my children go, um, we, you know, I was away for the better part of two and a half years. And, um, and so, you know, to reenter um, children's lives like that, um you know, it was both really, really, it was a simple process, but also a very complicated one. And one that I was really, again, like just staying connected to recovery community and trying to do the next right thing was, um, you know, the answers kind of came. And, and so the relationship we have now is not, um, it's very unconventional. 
it's not, uh, I don't have a traditional, you know, parental dynamic with my children. We're friends, you know, we love each other and we support each other. And, and when I say friends, it's, it's one of those opportunities, um, you know, for, for growth and, um, you know, connection. And I, you know what I mean? Like I learned from them and, and they learned from me. I learned a lot from my children so much yeah. and I get to apply it to my life. And then, um, yeah. you know, and hopefully they, they would say the same thing about me, you know, and, um, we just got back from a week in, in Puerto Rico, which doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, when, when I tell people about our trip and, um, highlights and stuff like that, the high, biggest highlight for me was, um, whenever we left, we, we didn't want to part ways. We wanted to get closer mm-hmm. together. You know, mm-hmm. and that, was, that that means the world. That really yeah. means the world. You know, and so yeah. um, so no, I'm I'm here I'm here to support them and and um, you know, to help guide them whenever uh, I can guide them and yeah. um, you know, and can, and stay on the path together. Can you imagine yourself in your twenties, like even being able to say that? Like that's so beautiful. Mm-mm. Right. No, I spoke a completely different language back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, a, again, what a gift for the kids too, though, like your openness about it. Like, yeah. I think that that's, um, that also just helps kind of, there's no shame in it. Like, let's just kind of, let's all learn from it. Like you said, because they're teenagers right. now, right? They're yeah, 13, 17, about to be 14 and 18. Yeah. Talk about like formative years. So that's, uh, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, for, for, I think, you know, for them, you know, I fell apart. You know, and I was, I was, I, I didn't just fall apart. Mm-hmm. I really fell apart. And, um, but I had to put everything back together. Um, we put everything back together. And so I, I think from the outside looking in, you know, for them, you know, that sets a really good example, you know, that it's, it's okay to fail. You know, it's okay to make mistakes. Well, that's, uh, you know, as we know yeah. now, it's, it's unattainable. Yes. You know, and I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with, seeking excellence, but whenever perfection has to be part of your vocabulary, it can be very damaging. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, so hopefully there's lessons, not necessarily in the success, but the process of falling apart and picking things back up, right. And keeping it together. Yeah. The resiliency, right. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. The rebuilding. Yeah. Um, and there's such freedom when you give yourself permission to let go of the perfection too. Yeah. Uh, so, um, homelessness, you were homeless for a while, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the loneliness that must've come with all of that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it was one of those things, look, here's the thing, whenever I was first out there, um, and this, you know, this is like, uh, you know, the, the untold truth, um, you know, about being an, an alcoholic and addict, you know, an active um, addiction is that I was, that's where I wanted to be for a long time. You know, nobody could stop me. Yeah. Right? Nobody, yeah. Getting, nobody get in the way of my drinking or the way I wanted to drug. That's and, right. Um, but, you know, but the streets, what I saw in the streets is from a violent standpoint, um, um, from a criminal standpoint, um, crimes on females, um, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And uh, it was quickly made apparent to me that somebody like me was not <laughs> necessarily built um, or made to stay out there, you know? And, and so whenever, whenever I left, um, I remember that morning very, very well, you know, I I'd left and um, I had no plans on getting sober. I just didn't want to die. Ooh. Right. You know, and, um, and I felt it, 
you know, and I felt the end, I felt like the end was near. And if I didn't do something that moment and that morning, um, then I, uh, I didn't know how, how much longer I would last out there, you know, and I wasn't ready to do that. And I wasn't ready to have my children, uh, you know, attend a funeral of their fathers. Yeah. You know, so that was it. So, you know, that, that, the irony is, is that, you know, I wasn't, I had no plans of getting sober. I had no plans on, on zoom calling with somebody <laughs> awesome like you, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to die. I just didn't want to die. That is so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause at that yep. point you, you don't even know what that means, but you just know you want to live. Yeah. I mean, I've been up for three days, you know, I was strung out, you know, I, I yeah. went and um, I, I went to a liquor store and I stole a couple bottles of liquor and I got on a bus and, and, um, you know what I mean? So, so whenever you're mm-hmm. in that headspace, people got to understand this is how it is. You know, when you're in that, when you're in that headspace, there you're not thinking about five years down the road. You're thinking about how the hell am I going to make it through this next moment? Yeah. That's you know right. what I mean? Without, without somebody putting a gun in my head, you know, or, right. or you know, or a brick to my face again, which had right. already happened. And, and, um, and so anyway, so that's, you know, but, yeah. but that led me to the point of, of desperation and, and, um, and willingness. Yeah. Um, can I ask if other than kind of groups and stuff, did you ever do individual therapy? Uh, you know, I never have. I never have. Okay. I haven't. I haven't counted it out. You know, especially yeah. my mom's passing last year. But I never have. Not not since I was a. I was a lot younger when my parents yeah. were Sydney. Yeah, but I think that speaks to the power of um, of of these groups. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people are are really terrified by that too like what you want me to own my stuff in front of these strangers and okay. there is i mean that being around people where it's validated and kind of they they understand like there is so much power in that yeah yeah i mean there is you know and, and that and that can circle back around to march of 2020 when um when the pandemic struck right and i was out of a job and um uh didn't know what to do, was super scared, was pissed yeah. off. Um, I had no idea that, that this COVID thing was coming. I, you know, I had my head down. I was focused on the restaurant. Yeah. And, um, and so I, ha- I really had to move through. The- and my life just came to a screeching halt. Well, for about a week it did until yeah. I started what I'm doing now. But, um, but it really, really did. The routine that I had in place and, and the life I'd led for um, the previous five years um, yep. Yep. Came to, had come to an end. And that's a scary place to be, which is, which is why you know, it's so important for me and hopefully for others to stay as close to whatever program it is that you have in your life so that when shit hits the fan, you know exactly what to do and how to do it, what to say, who to say it to, you know what I mean? And so I was able to really, really lean in on Ben's friends and, and, um, you know, the principles of sobriety so that, so that they and it could hold the lantern for me, you know, through some really, really dark times. I, you know what I mean? Like I, whenever March, 2020 happened, I was, I was taken back almost like in a time machine Ooh. whenever I, I lost everything and I was in that, um, uh, uh, recovery center, yeah. you know, just off the streets, you know what I mean? And, 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 yeah. and, and that's a bad place to be. And, and so, um, I'm super grateful for them. I'm super grateful for the program, super grateful yeah. for the people in my life and my family, you know, yeah. for, for, um, you know, you know, just, just having solutions. Yeah. Well, it's just a reminder how much is out of our control. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And, and structure, I know that structure is so important for people in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so when everything, yeah, everything stops. So your, your coping skills that you had built up over the last five years, which let's be honest, like five years is not that long. So like you're, you're not. <laughs> yeah, so your coping skills, your strategies, that was all taken from you. 
I mean, from all of us, but yeah, someone in recovery that that matters significantly. So you have, you had your people to lean on. Yeah. And we lost our mom. We lost our mom in June. Of 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yep. And so we couldn't, you know, I last, I last saw her in February and, um, you know, because of the COVID circumstances and, um, uh, she was, she was at risk that none of us could get there, you know? And so she died alone and you know what I mean? So that was, that's, that's, that's a, that's a whole other conversation, but um, that was all yeah. part of everything that myself and, and my family and I we had to move through through the summer of 2020 and still are. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's something you carry. Well, grief, you just have to learn to carry differently over time, but but within the context of the pandemic, I, I can't imagine I where you said you just you couldn't you couldn't be there to kind of be with them or to celebrate their life as you would have liked to. And um, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Self-care, kind of going back to that, like coping skills, self-care besides groups and everything. Like, what do you do to keep your mind right? Yeah, you know, I I, um, I love that question. And so one of the things, one of the tools I learned early on was um, in order to, to right size, because, the, you know, like our minds, you know, especially as a recovered uh, individual, uh, still want to um, make mountains out of molehills of the issues between our ears, right? And so, uh, so one of the tools that I was taught at an early on, early, early time in recovery, mm-hmm. it's a great formula that I still use today. Is get out of self and into service. And um, mm-hmm. so, if I'm when I'm invested in someone else's life, whether it be their ups or their downs, uh, I have an opportunity for perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and it helps me look internally to better manage and right size the issues that I might have going on at the time, you know? And and so it's really, really important for me to work with people in the program. You know, I have, um, you know, I have a sponsee. I'm about to go to Ben's friends at 11. Um, So it's, it's it's just really, really important for me to to stay involved, you know, in in the recovery process and and Mm -hmm. people that are new in recovery, people that are older, older, that have more time in recovery, you know, and and so that I'm inside that orbit. And, um, and, and what I love about that and what I love about being connected, what I love about, um, you know, working the program is that um, I know I have tangible evidence, right, of there's a power greater than myself working in my life, mm-hmm. right? And you never know when you need to, when you're going to hear what exactly what it is you need to hear, you know, and can, mm-hmm. and can carry you through the day, you know, and, and, and we could go on for another we have 30 minutes yeah. it's almost up, but I could, I could, I could hold you for another 30 minutes to explain exactly, um, you know, the evidence, the tangible evidence that's occurred in my life to back that up. Yeah. But you know what you have to remain though, is like open and curious to be able to receive that stuff. Totally. And that, yeah. that is the gift of, I think that comes with sobriety too. Of, yeah. 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 You know, and another thing too is like, is like the closer you are to your people, to your tribe, um, the easier it is to remain close, right? But the the the, the further away you are, the harder it is to return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I've I've learned that through experience, and it, that doesn't work for me. So I have to stay right in the center. I have to stay in the nucleus. I have to stay, you know, in, in the middle of of you know the people that I love and support. Yeah, and just like be really intentional about cultivating that connection. Definitely, which is another reason why the pandemic was hella hard for people. Yeah, because of the isolation. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. So the way that your business has pivoted, though, I mean, one of those things, again, like you could not have foreseen it, but 
what a gift. No idea. That's a, that's a, that's one of those tangible, um, yes. you know, like examples of, you know, I think of power greater than myself working in my life. You know, I, whenever, it, whenever it went down, my first thought was to get out and help somebody, you know, right. and that was one of the farmer friends that I had up in Winston-Salem who was literally about to lose two seasons worth of crops. That's, that's his life for us. And so I had, you know, it's just like whenever I got off on that bus, whenever I left Charlotte to go get help, I didn't want to die. Like that was my initial plan. And so whenever I started this meal delivery thing, it wasn't to start a business. It was to, it was to, to hold me over mm. until upstream up and back up. Right. But one thing led to another. I think um, a door, you know, one door opened after another, but I'd done the legwork to walk through them. You know, right. and here we are over a year and a half later, you know, and, and we're doing really well. And, uh, you know, I employ people that are early in recovery. Literally everybody that works for me is in recovery. Oh, so, cool. so, so it's a really cool opportunity to pay for what I was uh, so freely given um, back in the early days and even so now. And, and um, you know, and it's and I get to be a business owner. And, and you know, and, and um, if you remember an early part of our conversations, we talked about, you know, the restaurant scene and, and how different it was back then. I get to be part of the conversation on evolving, Yes, um, you know, um, the difficult conversations and some of the stuff that's been normalized in food and beverage and, and help change that conversation. That's right. And you guys in, in Charlotte, I feel like are, are on the forefront of those conversations and really doing good work in that way. And so just to acknowledge that, that seems it's really significant because mm-hmm. we don't want to just return to normal, quote unquote normal. I hate when people say that, you know, like, that's right. That's let's, right. take what we, let's take what we've learned and shift it. How could, yeah. you know I mean? We, how could we? Oh, please. How could we yeah. return to normal? Yeah, yeah. So is there a meal for you that evokes um, strong memories of any kind, positive or negative, or just something? What comes to mind when I ask that? I realized what was going on in my life and how I was feeling, and, and it really comes down to this. And this is the, the newest chapter, it, you know, in, for me as a, as a cook, was that um, getting to go to a farmer's market work farm Right. And be able to, to look these people in the eye. Right. And and um, and hear the stories about the products and the passion um, that is invested in growing them or supplying them. And um, and, and but like um, consciously and with intention, you know, exchanging ideas and and, um, and support, you know, they support me and I support them. And then bringing that back to the kitchen. Uh, that's the emotional connection that I've never felt before in cooking. And so that's mm. what that's what I what I call it season. That's what I season my food with now is is really is like, um, and you know, and then and then of course we have the opportunity to, um, you know, to deliver that, package it up, and deliver that to not only Myers Park but the west side of Charlotte. You know, I do three courses for thirty bucks, and that's for a reason. So you know what I mean. So if you're struggling from paycheck to paycheck, yeah. you know, and you want a hot locally sourced meal with soul, then then I can do that for you. You know, but if but if you know what I mean, like. If you're in Myers Park, you know, and you're just returning from St. Bart's or whatever it is, and you don't feel like cooking, you know, I want to be able to connect you to the community as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I take care of um, one of the best athletes in the world. You know, he's super busy, uh, but he's he's one of the most high character people I've ever met. You know, with all the means, but um, I found so I find so much satisfaction in being able to connect him with our local suppliers that uh, without all that, he would not have any idea who they were. You know, and I'm yeah. talking about farmers from Matthews Farmers Market and beyond. Yeah, so that's right. that's my that's my um, right now. That's that's my my life mission, and and that's um, you know the purpose behind your farm to your table. Yeah, 
it's hard to even like, there's not even necessarily a word for that. <laughs> like, cause it's, it feels bigger than connection. Totally. It's like this, this organic, it gets down to the granular level of like, uh, like tracing it all back. Like where does mm-hmm. it start and how do we have gratitude for every step of the way and realize that we're all connected. That's right. Yeah. I mean like on a normal day, my day starts at four 30, you know, and I'm done by 10 or 11. And, um, and the, the question I get the most is, um, how do you do that? Why do you, you know, why do you do that? You know, and, and the response I often give is what, you know, what are you doing with your life? Mm. You know, are you truly happy? You know, are you, are you satisfied? Um, you know, how do you get to the farmer's markets on Saturday morning for such a busy week? I was like, because, you know, that's, that's part of my recipe, you know, and, and I feel like um, with everything that everybody went through in 2020, um, you know, I, as an ambassador, um, you know, uh, you know, of, of food and, um, you know, and cooking, um, feel a duty, you know, in yeah. representing these people to the best of my ability. Mm. Yeah. It's a hundred percent, um, you know, my passion and, and, um, you know, and to be honest with you, you know, I, all I have to do is whenever I have doubt or I have challenging moments, you know, is to look back, you know, the past 12 or 15 months and to get a better understanding of, of exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and to be, you know, to be like emotionally or spiritually reinforced and supported, you know, yep. knowing that I'm on the right path. Right. You know, and, and, you know, whatever, whatever comes my way next, I'll be prepared for it, you know, because, um, you know, we're, we're doing this and, and, and we, you know, um, you know, without hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you've built confidence in yourself too, to, <laughs> to be able to pivot well and be resilient. Yeah. I have a handful of mentors, you know, that I, that I lean into, you know, and that's, um, Steve Palmer's one of them. Mickey's Mickey's one of them. Mickey Baps. Those are the two founders of Penn's friends. Uh, Dennis Wormsley, uh, who was, who sponsored me when I was in any Lake, when I was, when I was literally, I, I had nothing. Um, yeah. And so he, you know, without him, I don't know if I'd be here. And then, um, uh, chef, uh, Raphael at Hamptons down in, uh, Sumner, South Carolina, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, he, I didn't, I had, it took me, um, you know, a solid year to learn how to cook again whenever I got back in the kitchen. Mm. So a lot of people don't know is like, I wasn't in the kitchen for those three years. If I was, yeah. it was a shell of myself. And so whenever I started cooking again, I started out as a line cook and, um, and I think I went to like bed, bath and beyond. I got like a $30 knife and, and, um, and so I had to, to learn how to slice and dice and, and grill and saute and, um, do everything that I know now again. And so, um, yeah, he really propped me up, you know, and, and, um, it showed me a way. And, but also, you know, he's one of those people, you know, that I, I swear, I think God put in my life because everything that I was learning in recovery, I felt seen, saw and heard from him in the kitchen yeah. you know, so at, at really a very formidable time in my life. You know, I was going to meetings. I was in this, um, institution and, um, but I was also working at the same time because that's what you have to do when you live there. And, yeah. um, you know, it was everything that I was hearing in, in the rooms, um, you know, in, in this program I was experiencing at work. And so yeah. it, uh, uh, it really reinforced the idea that I was on the right path. So, yeah. um, so there, I mean, like, and, and he's just a great guy. And, and so all these people that, um, yep. you know, that I mentioned, um, I'm, I'm, con- it's life is a constant education and I'm so lucky that I get to learn from them on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's a personal one. Tattoos, special meaning on your tattoos. Yeah. I have a bunch of them. Yeah. So that's this, this. So this is a musical note. Um, 
these are my children's initials, A, G, C, D, right there. I don't have you stand around. But um, I got that. I snuck out of treatment when I was in when I was in Sumter. <laughs> not compliant, totally not compliant. Um, yeah, I have one here. This is a this is a record. It's an old forty five. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what's have, your relationship with music? Tell me about the music connection. I, work, I mean, my dad's kitchen was uh, it was always blaring Rolling Stones or Rod Stewart or um, the Beatles, or Led Zeppelin, even, and and so that was yeah. that was my association with food. And so we still listen to music as loud as we possibly can in the kitchen at your farm to your table. Uh, and uh, the whole spectrum from punk to reggae to even some country to, of yeah. course, to bring it back to rock and roll. But but this has so this is a crack in it. So this is this can either be like so I look down at this every day and I'm like, you know, yes. it's, um, it's an opportunity to reframe. Right. Because we're either it's either life is either going to be a bro- like a broken record. Right. Repeat the old get this get the old results. You know, we're going to break records, break new ground. So that's that. All right. Crazy question time. We're almost done. Um, Favorite appetizer to eat? Favorite app? Yeah, to eat. To eat? Oh, wow. Um, I love crudo. Like the uh, the freshest fish, olive oil, some citrus. Um, You know, I've spent my time studying Japanese. So there's, you know, so that whole orbit works for me as well. But um, I eat light. Uh, so I like to cook light, and so that would be it. Okay. Um, if you could see a like one band multiple times, who would it be? One band mm-hmm. multiple times. Oh man, um, <laughs> a band that I haven't seen, or a band that I've already anybody. seen. anybody. I don't know. You tell me. Whatever or musician. What did I do? Full band. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen the Dead with Jerry. Um, I've seen mm. Dead for me. So I've already done that. So let's start with. Let's just talk about a band that that I haven't seen yet. And so that would okay. have to be Beatles. Uh-huh. Um, that could be Led Zeppelin. So then last one in this ideal world of being able to see the Beatles and eat crudo with anybody dead or alive, who would, who would you want with you? Gosh, um, dead or alive. <laughs> can I pick two? Yes. Cause I know who it is. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I thought you say your kids other than your kids. Come on, give me somebody else. No, not them. Yeah, not them. Uh, <laughs> Robert Hunter, uh, Robert Hunter. And then also, um, uh, probably Daniel Hume. Okay. Do you know who Daniel okay. Hume is? Nope. Yeah, he's the exec chef at, um, well, he's the chef owner of uh, Levin Madison Park. Oh, please. I want to know. Yes. I would like yeah. to have crudo with him as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he just he just went um, plant-based with his three Michelin star restaurant. I know. I know. I'm oh, so curious to see. How, I mean, but it's been, it's open already, right? Like he's already done oh, that yeah. in a couple months. Yeah. How's that going? Do we know? Uh, well, they have 15,000 people on the wait list. So it's going pretty well. Jesus, take the wheel. Are you kidding yeah. me? But I'm taking um I'm taking Alan Gray, my son, to New York uh, for my birthday in September, and we're gonna try to go eat there. Yes. So I want him to experience. I've never I've never been to a Michelin star restaurant, but I think it'd be cool for him to do it as well. So we're gonna yes. we're gonna make the boys' weekend. We're gonna go see Whitefoot Panic at the Beacon. Yes. And uh and go eat some free Michelin star food. That's dreamy. Yeah, what a bold move. I thought that was so bold. We went to some. Um, see, my husband's gonna kill me because I can't remember what it was. A Mich- two Michelin star in. Um, Oh, it's called JY's in um, France. I know I sound super bougie right now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was just like earth shattering. Was it? Oh my god! Yeah, right. it was one of those. Up. Yeah, where you're just like, I, I do, I don't want this to end. Like, uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to look it up. Yeah. So anyway, but that, yeah, incredible. Cool. Hey, I learned a lot about you. I am so grateful that you 
you chose life and that you choose to be seen and let yourself be seen and just to step into that vulnerability. I think it's so powerful for people. So really appreciate you. Today. Thanks for having me. As we talked about, it's hard sometimes to see that we need to surrender because change can be really scary. Even if things are dysfunctional or unhealthy, it's familiar. So I want to talk about what letting go and surrendering is truly about. And it's about releasing control. So it's when what we're doing and saying is no longer about trying to control the future or predict a certain outcome. We learn to let go of that. So we turn our ego over to either a deeper wisdom or to receiving help from others. So we, of course, still put in the work and there's still intentionality to our actions and our behaviors, but we have a better understanding that doubt, fear, worry, and outcomes can really truly be out of our hands. So we learn to be in the present moment directly as it is, which is really mindfulness. So some ways we can cultivate the practice of surrendering. Get to know your fears and your limiting beliefs. Work to unlearn these and reframe your thoughts. Practice knowing what your needs are and when to ask for help around them. Visualize letting go. So what would look, feel, be different if you relinquished control. Use mantras or affirmations like, I can safely let go of what's out of my control or my personal favorite, trust the process. And you can also physically practice trying to surrender. So if you notice when you drop into your body, if you notice the energy that's around that fear and uncertainty, try to relax into that and let yourself feel it. That helps us learn to trust that we can be with it. And I love how Sam talks about the greatness that was on the other side of this vulnerability and surrender. It's a great lesson for all of us to take forward. Thanks for listening. So who are you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. Again, huge thank you to our sponsor, Blooming Smiles Pediatric Dentistry. Just check out the Google reviews for Dr. Arpita Patel to see how great she is with kids. They truly offer a holistic approach to ensure for every patient the well-being of mind, body, and spirit.